Are you a sheep? No. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. This is for all the girls who grew up without strong geek role models to help them discover their geek dreams. For everyone who's ever been quizzed about their video game knowledge because girls don't play, girls games. Don't play games. Geek Hearing is working to bring female identifying geeks into their prime to be the role models, dreams and voices. Are you ready for this? Welcome to Geek Hearing, a critical geek culture podcast where we talk the good, and the bad parts of being a chick in a male-dominated environment. Hi, I'm Amanda, and with me today is my awesome, hilarious, wonderful, pretty, awesome, awesome, awesome co-host, Monica. Jesus Christ, what did we start here? <laughs> Hi, Amanda. Hi, Monica. <laughs> I didn't know that this was going to happen. Me neither. It yeah, just but... came out of my mouth. <laughs> it came out like, like, a, like a vinyl that has a scratch on it. Awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome. <laughs> exactly. I am just a record on repeat. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? All good in hood. I'm a bit empty inside right now. I recall that feeling well. <laughs> Possibly still feel it. Yeah, but it's also the fact... So, more details probably. I finished the Robin Hop. Realm of Elderlings series. And now I've read 16 books in eight months and now it's all over and I have nothing to read, which is not true, but it feels like it. And that's why I'm empty inside. Yes. You read them, I think, in record time. Like, what, eight months, nine months, and you had devoured all of the books. Yeah. So what geeky things have you been doing this week? I've been rereading Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Yes. That's been my uh, my reading activity. I'm reading like a few chapters every night, so eating mm-hmm. through it pretty quickly. And I've been playing a few different games. Um, I picked up Destiny 2 over the weekend and thought that I would hate it because I'm not really into first-person shooter games, but I really like it. <laughs> and I tried to get into this other game called... Okay, well, obviously I didn't get into it at all because like, I can't even remember what it's called, but I downloaded it. I was like, this looks cool. And then I, I was just like, this is actually lame. Broken Age. It was called Broken Age. Yeah, I got like two. Never even heard of that one. Into it and was just, no, this isn't for me. And I started playing Elder Scrolls Online again last night. So I've just been a bit slutty with my, with my game choices over the weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even trying to disagree with you here no i was like i just want to want to have my finger in every game right now (laughs) so what about you monica now that you have finished reading realm of the elderlings what have you been doing to get your geek on i did binge sex education on netflix yes (laughs) and broad church on netflix haven't seen broad church i really do actually really like it Okay. It's not, but I don't know if it's because it has a lot of, I find the way they filmed it pretty amazing. It's very, a lot of scenery and a lot of landscape and I kind of like the UK a lot. So that's always gives me, that always gives me good feelings. I don't know. 
Is that I mean, the one, Broadchurch, is that the one that's filmed on like a remote Scottish island? It's supposed to be somewhere on the... I mean, I looked up where they filmed it. Uh, I don't think that it's supposed to be British, uh, like a Scottish island because oh, okay. it doesn't look... Because does, do Scottish islands have these cliffs? No. Yeah. And okay. Sandy Beach. But it's somewhere in the uh, Wessex. Okay. Whatever, south, I'm I sure think. I'm sure that my dad has watched it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's with David Tennant. So that's probably... Okay. The, yeah, dad has definitely watched it. Yeah. And it's like a crimey thing. Okay. Might have to check it out. Oh, I, I, re- I really did enjoy it. Still. I like that all the actors and actresses are not like this typically. Because often in these um, US series, they're all particularly good looking mm. and not like normal people. Yeah. Whereas I think in Broadchurch, it's, I really like how they play and, and, and I really buy what they're selling kind of. <laughs> so I think it's a really great actor, really great acting and I like the story and it's great. Probably not as geeky as it could be, but I was desperate. <laughs> I like crime and murder mysteries and stuff. Yeah. I'm kind of like, okay, maybe I'll be watching this tonight instead of playing another different video game. <laughs> What's the other different video game that you're oh, watching? I don't know yet. Oh, okay. Just start a new one. <laughs> just, you know, why not, right? Why not? So before we get into our episode topic today, I'd just like to invite you, dear listeners, to leave us, that's us as in Geek Herring, a review on iTunes. That would be amazing. It would be super awesome and amazeballs. Amazeballs. And as Amanda put it, iTunes reviews save lives and do you not want to save lives i think you want to i think you do I especially think you do. geeky lives geeky lives do it on your uh podcast catcher i think that's possible on all of them somehow or the other we will be so excited super excited and we'll read you out on our show next week because because we will because we appreciate it yeah yes so monica I'm really excited to talk about what we're talking about today. Oh, yeah. Me too. Now that we finally can, I think you've been waiting for a while. I mean, for eight months, to be fair. To Yes. Yes. I recommended that Monica read the Robin Hobb life-changing books for a while. And she finally picked them up last summer, as we established eight months ago. I don't even remember why we why we started to talk about this. You just recommended it to me out of the blue at some point. No, it's because I said that I like the world better than Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, I recall. Yes. <laughs> and I needed to know what kind of world that is. Yeah. Well, now I know. <laughs> now do you see? Kind of, but... I'm not, for me, it still didn't push Harry Potter off its throne, to be fair. But it's like a really, really good series. That's amazing. I have to say that I, when I started to go to university, I stopped reading regular books because I was working as well. And then there was a lot of like uni books that I had to read, right? Cool. And so where should I take the time? And that kind of put me off my reading track for a while. 
And then I, whenever I tried to read something, it either was super shit, so I was pretty annoyed that I can't find something that makes me excited the way mm-hmm. that Harry Potter did. And then you suggested Robin Hobb to me. And I'm very, very grateful. <laughs> yeah, it changes lives. It's changed my life. So yeah. I want to ask how, but maybe that's a bit too early in the, in the, in the episode. Maybe I will ask you again when we talked about it for a bit more. Okay, sounds good. Considering it will probably give a lot away already. So who, <laughs> who is Robin Hope? you might wonder, you might ask? It's a good question. <laughs> so Robin Hope is at the point of recording something with around 67-ish, 66, 67-ish years old. And she's a US writer. She is a novelist, obviously, when she's a writer, she's a novelist, and she's working from Tacoma in Washington, and she's the author of the Realm of the Elder Link series, which is not something you should put into Amazon, because I don't think that you will get the results that you need, right? <laughs> no. No, you need to look for the Farseer trilogy, the Live Ship Traders trilogy, the Tawny Man trilogy, the Soldier Sun trilogy, the Rainwell Chronicles, and the Fits and the Fool trilogy. The Soldier's Son is also part of the... Really? It is, yeah. The Soldier's Son trilogy is part of the realm of the Elderlings. However, it doesn't follow or connect directly with the Fitz and the Fool. Okay, uh, cool. Storyline. I have it. It's going to be read this year. <laughs> I, um, I haven't read that one yet. And it, t- it takes me a long time to read her books. Um, not to physically read them. It doesn't actually take me very long to read these really long books, but it takes me a long time to work up the courage to read them. <laughs> Because you know that they will be over when you've read them? Yes. Okay. So I, I put it off and I delay and I find excuses not to let the story end. Because <laughs> if I haven't finished it, it's not over. That's why you waited how long to read the last book of the 16 books? At least a year, possibly. How can you even, how is that even possible? I can't even. Yeah, I just couldn't bring myself, I knew it was the last one and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. But there is so much you wanted to know. Yep. Did you join this series at a point where you then had to wait until you finished another one? Yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I started reading, um, it must have been six or seven years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. It was during a book club, because once upon a time, I was in a book club, and it was the first book in the club. They were like, oh, these are supposed to be good. Let's read the first one. And I was like, sure, because I'm brand book new club. book club, so sure. <laughs> <laughs> and um, read it and was like, I am in trouble because there are a lot of books in this series. <laughs> <laughs> How many were out when you started to read them? Um Up to the end of the Rainwild Chronicles. So the Fitz and the okay. Fool trilogy, hadn't, none of it had been released yet. Okay. But that's also like, what, 10, 13 books already? Yeah. Cool. And you did you inhale those? I inhaled the Farseer trilogy, the very first one. Mm-hmm. Um, then I slowly made my way through the Live Ship Traders trilogy. Mm-hmm. And then I actually waited for a while before I read The Tawny Man, because I was like, ooh... I'm reading these really fast. I want to prolong this like enjoyment. And then like I read the Tawny Man quite quickly in succession. 
but it took me ages to actually get there. And then I left it, I think it was a year, maybe more, before I went into the Rainwilds. Okay. And I was kind of like, this is weird. I don't get this because they are so different from the rest of them. You think the Rainwilds are different? Yeah. But by the end of the first one of those, I was hooked. But yeah, and then it took me a long time, like a good two years before I started reading The Fits and the Fool trilogy. I generally think the way she... Um, so it's basically, what is it, a fantasy series? Yes. Is it fantasy? Okay. 100% fantasy, yeah. 100%, okay, just trying to make sure I never know the actual terms of anything. So I'm just checking back with you. <laughs> so basically she created this world with a lot of different locations where different stories take place. Yeah. That's <laughs> probably the best description. And it starts off with, in a time, you, one could say it's kind of medieval-ish. Yeah, it does have a very medieval feel, like yeah. castles and yeah. kings and princes and duchies and... No mobile phones. No, no mobile phones. <laughs> and riding on horseback. Yep. And like there being no communication with other places except for horseback or what's known as the skill, which is like almost like a telepathy. Yeah. But there's only certain people that can do it. Yeah. And they do have messenger birds. So basically it's, it gives you a very medievalish feeling, definitely. Mm -hmm. And when you start reading it, it's not immediately very wizardry, like not as in magic-y a lot, besides the skill. Yeah. So other than that, it's very, has a medieval setting, as you say, there is a prince, uh, there's a ro monarchy, royalty, blah, and, but and not- life and all that comes with court life. There's a jester and a fool and yeah. all the stables and the kitchen maids and sculleries and everything that you could want from a medieval fantasy, you are going to get it right away. Oh, yeah. In yeah. Trilogy. Yeah. And it's not, it's, there are no real, there are not really different kinds of, of animals right away. Like no, no, how do you say that? Mythical creatures. Yeah, like no mythical creatures really. No, there's dogs and wolves and birds and, and horses. Horses. So yeah, it gives it's medievally, definitely. Yeah. Um so I think one of the things that struck me from the very first, like from the very start of this trilogy is that it's basically an entire series that's built on the premise of an extramarital affair. Mm -hmm. The prince has an affair with this unnamed woman and has a, has a secret child, a bastard, who is raised outside of like royal castle life. And then one day he's just dropped at the gates and he's like, hey, this is Chivalry's son. There I'm you out. have him. Peace. <laughs> Peace. And like, that's all we see of the mother. And, you know, then this, the like wife of the prince who had the affair, uh, the, the prince dies. This all happens in like the first half of the first book. So it's not much spoilers here. The prince dies and she kind of eventually takes the child under her wing and mothers it and loves it. And, and I, I just actually, I quite like that. Um, acceptance of your husband's affair child one is probably has to mention that they weren't able to bear their own child oh yeah there was so that too there was not really like not that she could pick from a lot of offspring 
<laughs> so that was basically only one offspring there. Yeah. And so this bastard, as it is, as it is often in medieval stories, um, is brought to court, and like the the king at the time then decides to take him under his wing, basically. Yeah. And then the story unravels. <laughs> and we, what we do is we, um, through the 16 books, it's somehow a story of, of him growing up and being who they make him. That's not a pro- proper grammar sentence. No, it is. It, it's all about who the court makes him and who it wants him to be. And at the same time, he doesn't want to be that. He just wants to be with the woman that he loves. But politically it's not possible and he has to do his duty and he becomes a royal assassin and he kills things like oh my gosh there's so much to this story i don't even know how we can do this episode <laughs> she's sitting there rapping, like the totally desperate i oh. think it, it has is that is that it the store her stories have so many different angles so on the one hand as you say it's um trying to accept that your partner or your husband or, or your wife, because could be anything, cheated on you, brought a child to the world that's not yours and starting to love it. Then it's also how you get to a place where you don't know anything about and trying to make your way around there and not knowing does anybody really love me because my Someone gave me here and put me away like trash. And now here I am not really accepted because I am a bastard and that's always a problem. And and I'm not really in the crowd, but I'm not also not out of the crowd. I'm this sort of special person within so much diff- so many different other things that where is my place in this world? That's pretty much often so it's the undertone of, of, of what's going on in, in the story. Yeah, especially because he is a bastard. Like, he is technically illegitimate to, like, actually being royalty. And therefore, he's not really supposed to be brought up as a prince. He's kind of supposed to hide in the shadows and he's but, not really accepted. But he's in the hierarchy. He's not like one of the normal stable boys as well. No, that's true. So he's. He cannot. He he doesn't entirely belong to to whoever works in the at court, but he also does not at all um, belong to the royalty because obviously illegitimate and 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 nobody really claimed him. So he's just part of of this entire court in between this entire court situation. Mm-hmm. Man, <laughs> oh, there is so so much to unravel <laughs> <laughs> and as you mentioned he finds a girl who he really falls for and also his court life is problematic because as you said he becomes a royal assassin at a very young age and obviously you just don't go out and about and tell your girlfriend that you actually kill people for someone else and for a living so that's a bit of a problem so there are a lot of lies and 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 rumors and there is a lot of story that's hidden from the one he actually loves the most and so it's pretty tragic um with everything that he really he's torn between who he loves and who he um who he's sworn himself to really because that could also be two 
different kinds of people and he's it's all about loyalty as well yeah it's very much about loyalty and doing the right thing which is difficult when you're a royal assassin to figure out what the right thing is it's usually just what the king and what the king tells you to do <laughs> yeah so what it the, the entire series like when you not talk about it in trilogies but so she wrote so Robin Hobb wrote 16 books so as as Amanda said it starts out with the Farseer trilogy but then it swaps over to the Life Ship Traders trilogy and at the first at, when you start to read it and you then read the first three books and then you switch to the second three books you're like well that's in the same world but it's not at all related um and when I got to it I was just a bit irritated because now I've read three books first trilogy I was really in the story I was really in the characters and then I'm like those are all people that I don't know I know <laughs> it throws you into this entirely different culture and where like you have roles and and rules and it's so so different and there's pirates there's and, exactly and like Suddenly, it's, it's all about ships. It's all about ships, and it's a very like maritime hierarchical world. Yeah, and which confused me at the beginning. I have to say, yeah, it confused me too. After some time, you again get really into the characters, really into the story. Try to not want to kill someone else because you're so annoyed what's happening in the book, and then you read this, these three books, and you're like, yeah, no, I'm all going these characters and then you get in the next trilogy and, and then you're suddenly you're back, back to square one, one. yeah <laughs> and you're like robin hobb what are you doing to me you're taking me here you're taking me there you're taking me here again what's going on <laughs> which and you just get back and you're loving them so much and you're like i never want to read anything else and then the fourth series comes along and with entirely new characters again <laughs> again and you're like oh what yeah yeah, the fourth, the Rainwild Chronicles is uh, it's four books in the series, so it's technically well, it's not a trilogy. Um, what is a quadruplet? <laughs> quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. <laughs> um, and that for me was the probably the most difficult for me to get into. Um, like the first book, as I, I don't want to say I struggled with it because I didn't, but I didn't get where it was going for a long time. I was still, so since it went like first the Farsia trilogy, then the Life Ship Traders, then again to the settings that connect were connected to the Farsia trilogy in the uh, Tony Man trilogy. So I thought, well, okay, she did that now, like one, a second one, then three. So I was pretty convinced that we're now, that all the characters from the second trilogy will come back again in the, Rainwild Chronicles. So that was really why I wasn't that totally offset by it because I was convinced they're going to come back again. I did keep waiting. I was like, are they here yet? <laughs> when are they coming now? Uh, what about now? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, they mentioned no, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, there is a name that I know. And then you know some tiny details between the lines, which is so interesting that she then references back to the first three trilogies. And then, you know, oh, that happens. So you get tiny glimpses of the people you already know, yeah. which, which was which was also a bit exciting, but also a bit annoying because it was like, fuck, man, I want to know everything that happened there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's like you're seeing this entire history of like this entire world and but only glimpses and parts and years yeah. are passing and you're like, but what's happening to Fitz during these yeah. years? <laughs> what's happening to Althea? Where's Althea? What's she doing? Yeah. You know, and and you don't get it, which is probably the only thing that I'm sad about is that I don't know everything that's ever happened to these people. That could be so much, so much, so much more story for everyone. Yeah. Like in this. So the thing that kept me going was like, when will they come? And then I hit the point where I already started to like the characters in the new quadrilogy. <laughs> so that's why I was like, oh, well, I'm fine then. So let's keep going. What's happening? And yeah. you know that they, you've, you see a threat. So you know that they're connected. Mm-hmm. So you know that it's not entirely obvious to see that all of them are connected when you read them. And I gave that a lot of thought if I would have been able to read the trilogies not in the the ro- like in order that I read them, or if I could have without a problem skipped parts of the other trilogies, um, but I came to the conclusion that basically I would have to read all of them to really figure out what was going on because I, because I would have lost so much as you said, so much reference to what happened before. I wouldn't have gotten that at all if I hadn't read the books before. I know. When you had first said to me um, over the summer and you were like, I just started reading the live ship traders and you're like, but do I have to read this? Can't I just go on to the Tawny man and and go back to Fitz and the fool? And I was like, no, (laughs) no, you can't. You have to read the live ship traders. It got me like for me, the one to get into that was the most difficult was the live ship traders because I don't know. I'm not that big of a fan of pirates and ships stuff. So that was a bit difficult for me to be like, yeah, pirates. So yeah, like, pirates oh. and slavery. The slavery was the bit that got me. Yeah. Slavery. That wasn't fun. No. Also there are so there were like, there are always characters in a book that really annoy the shit out of me. Right. Like, um, rich in Harry Potter, I can't even say. But mm. in these ones, they were also like, oh, I want to just... <coughs> I just want to slap you. I want to take you and slap you and make you not be such a stuck-up princess. I know exactly who you're talking <laughs> about, Monica. <laughs> I remember when I told you that, I hate her. I hate her so much. And you're like, it's going to get better. And I'm like, I doubt that. <laughs> but it did. It did. But there are always some characters she writes in there that you really start to hate with all of your might. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So in all of the series, I think there is at least one of them, which is hilarious also. Yeah. Yeah. But you brought up a really good point there um, about characters changing. And it's something that I think Robin Hobb did an amazing job. Like with, I would say, most of those characters was the development. Oh, yeah. Um, they've all gone at one point or another through so much life Mm -hmm. throughout all 16 books that it's like, it's easy to think when you're writing that, Oh, the character, this is the character's personality. And like, this is just who they are. But then to actually write a changing character who's, who's growing and developing and learning and becoming a better person or Like having their own mind opened <laughs> yeah. to like different parts of the world, different thoughts, different expressions. Like yeah. it's it's incredible the way that she has 
written the character development. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't remember a book series or a book at all where I was like so impressed by that. Like so impressed by the fact that I could hate someone so much and get to like it in the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it, when we say it's 16 books, it's basically a storyline over at least 50, 60 years. Because yeah. when Fitz comes to court, he's, he's like around eight-ish. So, um, and until the end, he's like 60-something, up to 70 almost. So it's basically a storyline throughout an entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, which also, which I think is then amazing because it obviously people change, but you never, I hardly ever had that in a book that I could walk that life with them um, and see their development and, 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 and experience this. I mean, obviously we, we have our own lives and try to and see who are, how the people change, but it was as a reader of this, it's just incredible how you can, how you can see them change and, and in very fundamentally uh, in different cases. It's just crazy that you can write that up like this as well, I think. Yeah. And I think it's like what you said, Monica, you, you start with, with Fitz when he's so young, like he's eight years old or something mm-hmm. and you are with him for his entire life. Yeah. And there's not a lot that can <laughs> mentally and emotionally prepare you to share a life with a character like that. Yeah. Like usually a book series, like even for example, Harry Potter, you see him for seven years of his life. Yeah. You know, or at the Hunger Games, you see yeah. them for like, you, you see those characters for just kind of a snapshot into their lives. Even but Lord of the Rings is also not for that long amount of time, is it? Not really. Uh, not really. Like you see snapshots again, like the Hobbit kind of has its own realm. Yeah. And then there's a gap and then you get this other snapshot. Yeah. But to actually physically sit and be with a set of characters for their entire lifespan. Yeah. Like there's very few books that. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of any. So, I mean, that doesn't mean that it's not out there, but it's for me, it's exceptional the way she, she did it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I totally agree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and Robin Hobb has created some of the strongest characters that I have ever come across in a book series. And I think because she has, you know, built this entire world and because it does rate, span for so many years, mm-hmm. they've developed into the these really strong characters and you can see everything about them. Like her descriptions are descriptive, like they... I almost want to say they're as descriptive as like a Tolkien description. I wouldn't totally agree. But I don't feel like they're as dry as a Tolkien description. Yeah, it's like she has the right amount of descriptive words (laughs) in what she writes because it was really hard for me to to read the Lord of the Rings series and I stopped at the second part because I couldn't bear that... North, north, south, west, um, 300 feet um, behind a 
a purple willow tree that was growing there for 200 years. A squirrel took an acorn. That squirrel was part, just woke up from his thing and the fart smelled like roses. So that was way too much information to me. For, like I couldn't, I couldn't anymore. So I had to stop reading it because it was just way, way too descriptive for me. Yeah, the Fellowship of the Ring was like way too descriptive. But once you hit the two towers, it was more bearable. Yeah, and that's what I want. I only wanted to know where did all those people go? (laughs) And all I got was we were walking, 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 walking. (laughs) I couldn't anymore. So, like, I really enjoyed the first part where there was stuff happening. And then there was the second part where it was difficult, so I couldn't finish it. But I think Robin Hopp has really the the perfect amount of of descriptive words without being boring um, and still, like, drawing you into this. And I think the language she she uses is, like, it is beautiful and kind of flowery a bit. Yeah. So I like I to, when I started to read it I could totally see why you enjoyed it so much. It has a very nice read to it somehow. Like mm-hmm. very poetic in a way, but still great. It's just great great writing, I think. And I totally agree with you there that the characters are super strong also as you said because as they develop you see a lot of them changing their behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes them strong and, and becoming the strong person that they are or dealing with hardships and how to deal with hardships. I think that's something she does so well. Yeah. And what I find totally um, undescribable, like it's, it's because the, as we said, it's in a medievalish setting and she deals, but there are still in this entire series so many LGBTQ characters, like in this entire series. Mm-hmm. It's probably the, the, the LGBTQ friendliest series I've ever read. But in a way that it's not, it's not a look at me, I'm gay kind of description, which makes it, but it's this combination of it's the normalest thing in the entire world that this guy is together with another guy. Um, but also in a combination of, in this medieval time, because that was obviously in medieval times always a problem somehow, it is a totally normal at some point, but also it brings a lot of questions and you see the people that cannot fathom what's going on get to a point where it's totally normal for them as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not, not like it's a token queerness in the book, but it's just a... I think it's an overarching acceptance. Yeah. Like, it's there's never anything overt about it it's there's never like anything perverse and over the top and even openly communicated it's just this is just the way that it is yeah um except for the few times where people openly question like the relationship of fits and the fool like if they're sleeping in a tent and why are they always sleeping (laughs) that's so weird I mean, you could see, but I feel she also addresses stuff like this often, like not in all the books, but if like not all the time, as you say, people question, why do these two men sleep in a tent together? Um, Why are they doing this? And, and, and some pretended interest in a young boy, like, like when Lord Golden tried to um, 
get out of something and then he faked interest in a young boy and he was all upset so so that not everything about this is always super understanding but you can see reactions of people but then the reactions are not super hateful but also you see other conversations where where someone is asking about if they do have a problem that someone else changes their clothes always and switches from male to female and 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 how do they feel about this and then how uh, the person who is answered then asks that's just a person and I, I know the person behind it and it doesn't matter what it what he or she is wearing and and it's very as you say super overarching and overarching acceptance but also sort of of educational that you kind of you don't always get the everything's amazing re- reaction but it's never hateful and it always comes with an it's with a with an overarching theme of acceptance with it even though not probably everybody can understand what's going on yeah and you brought up there about like switching back and forth between genders and i think mm-hmm. that that is another theme throughout the entire book series is is that gender, like she challenges gender stereotypes yeah. constantly. Yeah. Um, there's more than one character that plays roles as both male and female yeah. throughout their lives. And like there's one character in particular, and it's actually 100% never confirmed what their gender is. Yeah. Um, I'm still not sure. No, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. And and that's okay because yeah, like it's just irrelevant. Free, the like they yeah. maybe they don't have a gender, and <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. But they yeah. have throughout the entire sixteen books, they have fulfilled a range of genders. Yeah, and it's pretty pretty amazing. And at, like sometimes I was a bit confused, like when we met this character in the live ship traders, and I was like, okay, this is the same character that was in the first book. <laughs> Did you notice? I noticed eventually, but yes, I I did. During the during the Life Traders trilogy still? Yeah. I didn't check. I didn't know. Oh, you didn't know. I oh, I, no. I got it. Yeah. Um I I I know that I recall that I did have a feeling, but then something else totally put me off again and then I was like, "Nah." And then when when it got revealed in the third trilogy, I was like, seriously? I, I took me by surprise. Yeah, no, I I figured it out. And you're such a smart cookie. You betcha. <laughs> and the other thing that I like, uh, it was especially noticeable in um, the live ship traders and the Rainwell Chronicles was challenging gender roles. Oh, yeah. Um, like women are taking helm like women are are in charge very much yeah in, in like participating in society in like a prominent role like they a lot of them have to make decisions and they're the heads of households um but at the same time they're still expected to fulfill these roles yeah and then you get these other characters who are like no that's not the life for me and so it, you see them rebelling basically against the way that their culture and society is bringing them up and like one becomes a pirate or like the captain of her own ship and one is just like no I don't want to be a token wife of a a gay man 
I want to go and study dragons. And she's just like, see you fools later. And like, <laughs> And like, she's never seen back there again, you know, and others are like getting an arranged marriage for, uh, for trade and they fall in love and end up changing the world. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I think the way she did it though is exceptional because even in this situation, she addresses so many different situations. So you have that one woman who's already, who, who was never, who's brought up by their father as one of the guys, basically. So she's the super tomboy. She's going to be the captain of their ship and then and, and she's going to, she's going to do all this. So she was, she's, a, she's owning it already in her head and, and in the world and not in a typically female role. Then you have others who are secretly, so it's a combination of breaking out of the gender roles openly, but also in secret. And then some who, who say, I like that my husband's bringing money home and taking care of me, but then realizing that that's probably not what they want in the very end once they tasted power. <laughs> Let's just say like this. <laughs> and so there are these, and, and, um, also getting out of abusive relationships and how difficult that is. And, and so there are so many different kinds of ways that women are empowered in that book series, even though it's set in times where you see that there are, and probably really doesn't matter that it's in medieval times because that's often still the case, um, that, they, that there are strong and powerful women in every situation, in different sizes and forms, even though that the overarching feeling might be that they have nothing to say. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty impressive how she did that, I feel. Because she did that with, like, I can't think of one woman in the book who didn't have a, an impressive development and turned out to be a stronger woman in the end. No, I'm trying to think and... and I can't think of anybody that stayed in their, like, even if they started out as kind of a shitty person, I can't think of one character, female character that stayed in that, in that way. Yeah. They, they all developed into these really strong, badass women. Yeah. And even if they didn't, they found a way to make it work for them. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So not all of them probably wanted fame and power and whatever, but they made it work for them. Yeah. And I think another thing that was done really well is celebrating differences. And mm -hmm. uh, even if that's like physical differences, because there oh, yeah. were characters who were, um, they were called touched by the rain wild. So they had like physical. They had warts and looked like. Warts and claws and fur and. Scales. Yeah, like physical abnormalities, I guess. Is yeah. Is that the right word? Changes. Changes. Um, and some of those characters turned out to be the strongest characters in the book. Yeah, and you can also see how they started to own their differences at some point. And appreciate them for what they are and how they made them different in, yeah. in a good way. And like how they how their differences 
made them better people. Yeah. And the there was really interesting development with former slaves as well, like yeah. owning um a really shit time in their lives and being like, well, without that experience, I wouldn't be who I am now. Mm-hmm. Um so there there is there's an awful lot in in this trilogy uh, in this series of books that yeah makes you think and it's very progressive especially for like having started in in the early 90s um what i find super remarkable considering that she's what 67 right now that's not a generation that was super super open minded which i don't want to generalize but i mean my parents are uh, like 70 something and my boyfriend's parents are around 60 something around 67 ish and that's definitely not something they would have ever written or that they would appreciate i would say mm-hmm. so that's i find it super remarkable that 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 kind of book was written by a woman um who wasn't brought up probably in a time where where being gay and being openly gay and 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 gender bending in general was highly it wasn't as visible back then i just let's just say no it wasn't <laughs> they're definitely a it's it's definitely a series ahead of its time oh yeah it's one that i think that everyone should read i agree and i'm surprised that it's not more popular same but i can't put my finger on it why that is me neither I hadn't even heard of it before that book club, to be honest. Yeah, same. It's not not at all. I mean, her books are translated into 20 languages. That's a lot of languages. So it's a lot of languages. And I apparently, when I, because I fell down the black hole of Instagram, when I finished, because I had to see some pictures and stuff. And apparently there is, even in Russia, because there is a lot with Russian language. Yeah. And... Spain's a, they're apparently it's more popular there as well because or at least some sort of popular because I saw a lot of posts with Spanish titles and everything. So South America probably. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. It is. But yeah. So listeners, we are going to head into spoiler territory here. I think that we've said everything we can say without uh without giving away a lot of plot and a lot of uh well, spoilers. So <laughs> if you want to l- keep listening, obviously we would love you to keep listening. But if you want to read all of these and want to be surprised, stop listening now. Stop listening now because you're about to get spoiled. And if you stop to listen now, you can still follow us on Patreon and support us there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but that's just... Just kidding. But now let's dive into spoiler territory. Oh, this is going to be a bit easier to talk about, I think. (laughs) Because don't have to hold yourself back. (laughs) Yeah. So the first thing I want to say is, holy shit, this book series changed my freaking life. It broke my heart. It repaired it. It broke it. It repaired it. It tore (laughs) me apart from the inside out. And I have never cried so much and so often through like a 16 book series I've never done it I I bawled I was when I said that nothing could prepare you emotionally or mentally to like connect with characters like this I fucking meant it like I (laughs) lived what these characters were living I loved what they were loving and I fucking cried when they cried like I was so emotionally invested 
in the, all of these books. I can't even. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel you partly. Like it's, I totally, I wasn't, I was pretty invested. I don't remember when I ever, when was the last time that I cried at the ending of a book that much. So I did, did cry a lot it, like at the very last book. Not so much during it. I had times when I was pre like I felt emotionally very attached, but I couldn't like I didn't cross the crying boundary there. Um, but yeah, I totally get what you're saying. It's as you there are so many things where you're like so upset and so annoyed, and then you're like, how is this even happening? And why did he have to die? And uh, now he's coming back again and now he's dying again and oh it's so painful and both beautiful at the same time yeah the first time i really remember crying was when wolf died night eyes night eyes when when he when he died and i was on a train because i was reading on the way to work and i was sitting there and i was like nope nope (laughs) And then I started to cry and I was like, for fuck's sake, I was going over the river. I could see Belfast just to the right. And I was like, <laughs> the tears were absolutely streaming down my face. And I was like, you're going to be kidding me. I was so mad that I was crying on the train. Because that came so fucking unexpected still. I mean, they all, she, she, um, when Nida is, so Nida is, is a, a wolf that the main character of the story has a, an emotional connection with so more than an emotional connection there is this monica we don't need to explain if they've come into spoiler territory they know the story do they they should <laughs> and if you don't stop listening and go read the books <laughs> go back now <laughs> buy it on amazon people yeah because she he was already feeling really bad during the entire book when he brought him back once and, and you could already feel like he's probably not gonna make it. <laughs> but then when when he died it was so unexpected because the moment was so unexpected and suddenly he was gone and and, and oh man, I almost like <laughs> I didn't cry when I read it, but now I'm almost crying. I'm almost crying and I read that scene like four years ago, five years ago, actually. And like, I'm almost crying again right now. So it was, re- but it's also when, pe- when, pe- when pets, like pets and animals, I connect so hard to animals so quickly. So I'm always, always, always fucking yeah. shook <laughs> when they leave. <laughs> I'm shook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was pretty horrible. I do. That was horrible. What I found super sad as well is when, like, when Verity left and left everyone behind Mm. and nobody. Am I breaking you now? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I actually don't know if I can talk about all this (laughs) without crying. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just how he left them behind, really, and they were suffering for such a long time. And then, when he in the Fits and Fool trilogy, when he just went back to the dragon and just sat with him because, oh, <laughs> I need schnapps now. <laughs> but like Faraday's completely selfless act for his kingdom to. Oh, yeah. 
like sacrifice his life so that he could save his people from being invaded and turned into like mindless doddering fools who like his love of his kingdom and his people and his wife. I'm always just a bit, I have always have the, what is, what often happens during the book is that something else is more important than what should be your most important thing. So for Verity, it was his own kingdom over his wife, which I'm always like, eh. I mean, I, yeah, more, I don't know. Maybe not the wife, maybe the leaving his kingdom, like saving the kingdom and leaving the wife behind is not the worst part that can happen. But going after a friend and leaving your kid behind, that is something I have bigger issue with somehow which i get because like the relationship between fitz and the fool is super crazy intense intense so intense so also that's not entirely sure if there was a relationship or not apparently robin hop says it's just friendship it was never more than friendship it's just not a relationship as a romantical sexual relationship it's friendship but it's a very very intense friendship yes i get it it's different kind of friendship than others probably but I still for me the his daughter should have been the top most priority at that point but from Fitz's point of view he's just stabbed his best friend who he hasn't seen in years and he has like he his daughter is with people that he trusts people Did that are he, though well people that shade shade trusted <laughs> 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 um, and people that were there to look out for B's best interests at heart. Like, which they never did until that point, and he already knew that they didn't. That's true. But for him, saving the life of his oldest friend, most intimate companion, was like really important. Don't get me wrong. I, it's not that I don't see that I'm like, this was the stupidest reaction at all. But and he did struggle at some point with a lot of things, and he was trying to make the relationship better with her, with with B and everything. Um, but yes, yeah, it just—it's not that I don't think that he should have gone. It's more that it leaves just a bad taste in my mouth as well, if yeah. you know what I mean. So I'm not entirely super mega happy about it. But also, I see that there wasn't really another option. So yeah. if it was, then nobody could could see what would happen after that and considering that we're talking medieval times and nobody has a fucking mobile phone to call them and tell them hey there is something going on there mm-hmm. um no i i totally agree and I, I i know what you're saying um i mean i ideally maybe in an ideal world he should have taken b with him um yeah. you know and and I think that would have been a lot easier on B in the first place, especially because like in that moment, just before Fitz stabbed the fool, like she had had this connection with the fool and was seeing like all these rainbows of possibility and all mm-hmm. this, all this connection. Then all of a sudden her dad is stabbing him and taking all that away from, mm-hmm. from her. And like, it's almost like stealing it away after she just figured out like, holy shit, look at all this connection in the mm-hmm. world. So I do think, like I, I think she should have been taken with him. Yeah, um, for sure. Because he did take Riddle with him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's. 
but then the book would have been over and what do we do then? Exactly. <laughs> we need to have some kind of drama. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's there are still a lot of things that I would like to know more about. Like I d- I'm not satisfied considering the knowledge of how is the steel connected to the silver and what is it? Mm-hmm. Like is that and why do the Farseers have that? Or is that connected to the to the silver of the dragons? And that it, that I would, would would have liked to have more explanation about the connection of the skill and the silver. Yes. So because then now I was like, is it the same? Is it not? Do they find that river where Verity wasn't found that silver? So because they needed to desperately, so 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 nobody can tell them now. <laughs> um, that was something I would have wanted to know, but didn't. Mm-hmm. And more information. I actually feel like the last trilogy, there was so much information put into it, but at the same time, it wasn't fully explained. Like I, I would have loved to know more about you know, the demise of the elderlings and the dragons and and how that came to be and why that came to be. Because yes, it was obviously from Claris and they, you know, they had this, all these false prophets out in the world and they started to breed their own whites. And, but I don't know why, like, why, why did that change happen? Why did they hate the dragons? Why were they doing shots of serpent spit? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like how, just how did that change happen? How did it go from being this once vibrant and pulsating and lively world to something that's so broken and separate? And it's not so much that I would question the development of Claris because basically it is, they were sourcing and collecting a lot of knowledge and with the wrong people at the wrong spots and for a long enough time then there is always something bad will happen but my question would be i'm not surprised that it turned rotten at some point i'm just want to know as you said why were the dragons a problem was it just that they killed the dragon so that they can get the meat and prolong their own lives was that the only main main reason? Yeah, and um, were they like they <laughs> said about the dragons like eating their livestock and like that was causing issues? But was that the main issue that they were getting rid of them? Because but they 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 killed them so they can have their meat so that they can live longer. Yeah, that couldn't have been the sole reason that they ate their livestock. No, true. Which I mean, uh, probably a terrible issue i mean it wasn't the six duchies so i get that this could be a problem mm-hmm. but also i would want to have more information about that for sure i also feel some storylines they started so tragically or or they she brought them back so tragically and then she ended them on a whim mm. like selden like what Ugh, that was it i know like, i i would have loved to have like an entire trilogy into the pirate kingdom and yeah, for example, that. that. Yeah. And Edda and Kenneth and yeah. just more. Yeah, that. I feel what she had to do in the last trilogy is bring, hang on, six, 13 books that you, she needed to connect two worlds with each other mm-hmm. where she already wrote 13 books about 
within three books. Uh-huh. And basically what she did is only she connected it, really connected it in the last one. Yeah. So it was a lot of threads to connect in a short amount of time. Yeah. So that, that obviously left a lot of questions mm-hmm. somehow. And I'm like, what happens to B now? Like, she doesn't like court. Well, now should they move her to the mountain kingdom? At least Pear is with her. Go Pear, I love him. I know, he, Perseverance is, is awesome. The best. But she was really sad. Like, she didn't, it wasn't, she wasn't happy. So what we were left with now is an unhappy bee who at least has pear. But other than that, yeah, I would have so many more questions. And also, I, I don't know, I feel, I would have wanted to know more again about Althea and Brashen. They were my favorites in the live ship. Yeah. I hated Malta. Hate, hate, hate with all my might. Yeah, she was. But I loved how she turned it so that she also found herself a bit annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was really cool. Yeah, her character development is probably one of my favorites in the entire oh, series. Yeah. yeah. Because it's not often that I go from like severely disliking a character. Oh, yeah. To being a, like, fuck yeah, Queen Malta, you are amazing. Yeah. Walk on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's a great. And she's been through a lot as well. So much. But yeah, I, I agree. So many things that I w- still want to know. Like what happens to the Duchess of Calcet now? Yeah. Like what happened to Selden? Where did he go? So he came back in one book and then he nobody heard of him ever again. And he was so important. He mm-hmm. even showed up in the Tawny Man trilogy. So he was really important. And now he only got like what, three or four chapters and then he was freed. And then that was it. That mm-hmm. made me a bit sad. I know. What else did I, would I want to know? I want to know more about the new elderlings. And now that dragons are back in the world and Clarice is gone and how um, like that whole culture and way of life has redeveloped and like, did yeah. they find all the secrets? And yeah, I, I, I would love to know more about that entire area and how how like Hebe, who was the most stunted and underdeveloped dragon, was actually the most the bravest one with the most connection to her own elderly. Yeah. Yeah. The less the least asshole, let's just say. <laughs> because basically they were all a bit assholes. Mm-hmm. How did the connection between Sintara and uh Tamara continue? Yeah. How 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 was there a better connection then? Because somehow, can Tamara really fly or was that just a one-time thing? All of these questions. <laughs> all of these questions. And have they better connected all of the the worlds together? Like Bingtown yeah. and the Rainwilds and Kilsingra and the Six Duchies and the Outer yeah. Worlds or the Outer Islands. Like, yeah. And is slavery finally eradicated? Like, I have yeah. so many questions. Yeah. Will Eliana get a girl who will be the Narcheska? I wanted to know. I'm sad that I didn't get to know Eliana better when she was a queen. Same. And I would have loved to go back to the Mountain Kingdom and learn more about their way of life. And the fact, like, their their leaders are called sacrifices because they sacrifice their lives to the betterment of the kingdom. I think that's a really amazing and really beautiful 
way of looking at leading a country. Yeah. Yeah. And I want more about Katrekin because she was amazing. I want oh, her, more of her story and her insights and her life through the entire like 60, 70 years that we followed Fitz. I want Katrekin. When the fool, the wolf said she would have been, if it, if it were, were his choice, then she would have been Fitz's mate. Yeah. That was so cute. I really like that. But I also love Fitz's relationship with Molly. Oh, yeah. And and that's probably also my only reason why I am not 100% on board with the Fitz and the Fool having a, an actual romantic relationship. Because for me, it somehow undermines what Fitz and Molly had. See, I disagree. I mean, I'm not firmly in camp like fits in the fool is my otp or anything but mm-hmm. i don't think that it's impossible to be fully in love with the, with the fool and also to be fully in love with molly like i i don't think that either relationship undermines the other and it <sighs> didn't though because basically the fool made the decision for him and left mm-hmm. and that was in some part they mentioned or she mentioned it where it was like or he, he said it in connection to night eyes that he has his mate is molly now so by the fool by leaving for that amount of time gave him no other choice which is not that he didn't embrace it and then he didn't want it but it would have been more problematic if the fool were still around. And then he wouldn't have been able to give either of them the attention he wanted to give them. So they could have never walked alongside each other. Mm-hmm. So the way also the either it was either the fool saying that at some point or or I'm not entirely sure now anymore, but because the fool left that gave room for the entire relationship to be as it was because now without having to, or without being distracted by whatever would have happened, he could totally focus on the family and on Molly and on, on, on Nettle and on the kids. Then obviously bit on B, but not really, but on their life together. Yeah. But then you also have to consider that Molly, when, when Molly and Birch thought that, Fitz was dead like they found comfort in each other and eventually became lovers and partners and and like life life mates themselves so like Molly was able to love somebody other than Fitz but for me in the books it was never really about that because if she would have had the choice she would have chosen Fitz over Boric Mm -hmm. and even Boric know that he just said that he knows he was the better choice for her but when he would have come would have gone back earlier than she would have she wouldn't have picked him she would have always picked Fitz yeah I think we all would have always picked Fitz yeah I'm still thinking <laughs> I don't know who is my who, who would I have fancied there he's not really I don't know hmm I can't say I it's not that I don't know I don't know either no it's okay I'm just we're kind of getting to the harder parts to talk about the more like theoretical fits and fool and molly and bee and this complicated life and love and you know the fact that bee is a prophet a white prophet and had to have like the only way bee could exist really is by somehow being 
born of the fool and like him, the fool saying like, she is mine as well. And, and then it gets in this whole, how, how, because obviously like he never was with Molly, but Fitz was with Molly. And for me, it was in my head, it was basically because Fitz brought him back from the dead and they shared something in that moment, which made them one in a not sexual way. (laughs) (laughs) So it, that wasn't really something that I questioned because through that sharing moment that they had when he brought him back from the dead, they, he gave him life really. And so they shared life as some sort of one person, which was always also for me why their connection was that strong. Yeah. And it was not really about them being romantically connected so much, but because they shared so much with each other. And I think that they were one, like they and Night Eyes, the three of them, like I always think of that image, um, the imagery of the, excuse me, of the piece of of obsidian where it Mm -hmm. was three sides and it was the fool and Fitz and Night Eyes and and, like they are all connected. They all share one core, one essence, one aura, one soul, but then they are also separate. Yeah. when you're that connected, it's it's hard to think rationally. Um, you know, thinking back to what you're saying about leaving B, it's hard to think rationally when it's another facet of your own soul. And yeah, almost like the entire relationship between Fitz and the Fool, there was it was never logical. It was never something easy. And I guess like that is something to do with you know being a prophet and a catalyst and power roles and dynamics and feeling used and being used and also being in love and being linked and connected in ways that you can't ever be connected to anybody else. Hmm. I hear what you're saying. I don't disagree, but I'm also like your kid should be a higher priority. And it's not, and I would say, I'm saying it should at least be enough priority to give her proper thought. And if you just can't, if you already have, yeah, I don't know. But if you never claimed to be a good dad, like yeah, he, he never claimed that he was doing like making the best decisions for his child. He struggled with it, he struggled with being a father, he struggled with connecting to his daughter. He nearly died when Molly died because he stopped he just neglected himself so badly and he that was so sad oh it was so sad Jesus too close to reality (laughs) like having oh my god the way she died as well like it was Jesus I always felt their relationship was really unfair because yeah they never got their chance they never got their proper chance at least, I feel at least in the last, it feels as if they at least had a really beautiful life together, even though they could still couldn't have everything that they wanted. Yeah, like, it, was just, it was just so short. Yeah, it was so short. Why is she being so stubborn? He wanted to heal her, mm-hmm. but she knew that when he, if he healed her, he would be giving away some of the last 
essences of himself. I think I, I do think she knew that. I don't know. I don't think she knew that. I think she just wanted her life to be hers. Yeah. Somehow. What I really like when we say they went from lies and secrets, I really loved seeing that that wasn't the case in the end anymore. So that they had this open thing going on where he could tell her almost everything. Well, with exceptions, obviously, but they came a long way from him hiding everything from her mm-hmm. to him telling her almost everything he was capable of telling her. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying about the, f- I don't know. I don't know why, why I still think that because also probably again, too close to reality. <laughs> so it yeah. would, I don't know. I, as I say, I hear and I understand you and I agree with you to a certain degree. And then I always have this tiny voice in my head who's saying, who's saying, but he should care more about his kid. But yeah, I mean, their, their connection is nothing that you can explain rationally, as you say, and there is nothing like it. No. So that's why in the end, he just went with him without even questioning it for a second. Like and the, I think it's also something that he, throughout his entire life, he's kind of been conditioned to do the right thing. And the thing that he feels is the right thing and the feel, and what he's obligated to do, like his, his duties, mm-hmm. <laughs> as they say. Um, and he, like, he's always done things that he feels he should, not mm-hmm. necessarily things that he wants to do. Yeah. But in the end, he did what he wanted. Is that what you mean? No, I don't necessarily think the ending was what he wanted. Um, he knew he was dying and there was basically no way to heal what he was going through. So he went to the only place that made well, sense to him. Spit him out there. Yeah. Like he was with the person that he thought of as a father. Like he was with Verity. He was going into the skill current with Shade and Verity and Night Eyes. And, and he had fruit. the food side. And it was the only thing that probably made sense for him to do. Mm-hmm. God, that broke me. That like that unseen, like out in the quarry, and everyone was there. And fuck, that broke my heart. I was more irritated by his pseudo drowning before, mm. because this again was not something he would have wanted. Not that he would have wanted the drowning in the in the tunnel there but he had onlookers and gawkers who were just standing there coming to see him going into the 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 wolf mm-hmm. drowning himself in the wolf really and it was not i think if he would have chosen it he wouldn't have wanted so many people watching him doing it no definitely not he wouldn't have wanted an audience and i don't think that your use of the word drowning is the right word it's not the word i would use anyways yeah. it was more he was giving himself to the wolf yeah giving himself to the skill so that his consciousness could live on in the skill current and he could at least be around and not die yeah and be available like all those obsidian creations came back like during the red ship wars and they all were there and they all fought with verity 
who is dragon too. I wonder, because they only continued for a certain amount of time. Like when Verity made this Verity on dragon, like Verity as dragon, he did his job and then he went back to the quarry and then he stilled again. Mm-hmm. And it basically ended with the wolf running beside them. But what is his job now? That's like, will he can pen- Will he run beside them until they reach the mountain kingdom? Then go back to the quarry and stay there, or will he always compa- be their companion? It's I. I think it's what we want it to be in our heads. <sighs> <laughs> It's written and ended in one of those ways that it can be what we want it to be. I personally, I would think and like to think that he's connected with the people that he has loved the most, that he never got the proper chance to be with when he was alive. And now they're together and he still has opportunity to check in with his family and occasionally touch minds with Nettle and... But they don't want to talk with the skill current. But he is finally at rest, happy with the people that he loves. Hmm. I'm not sure if I agree with that's my take on it. Let's just say maybe not not agree with you there. But I have a darker approach to this. (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel that he had not really another choice. So he didn't want to die obviously, but there, if he wouldn't have given himself to the wolf, as you said, he would have. So that was really the only way out. And, and I don't think that the ones in the current are the ones he would prefer over the living. So for me, it's just basically the only way that he had. Um, he might be able to still watch over them, but I don't think that Nobody treats the skill current as something lovely. They take energy from it and they use it, but they are not. He up until that point hardly ever had contact with anyone else in the skill current. So it's not that it's their immediate connection to the to the living, really. But basically, he's part of the power that everyone is using now. It's like a collective consciousness. I don't even think that the skill is a consciousness. It's because they're using it. And the skill doesn't say you can't use me like this. Mm -hmm. But it can also be used for less pretty things, as we saw with Galen and everyone. So it's a magic that he's part of now, but not really in direct connection, for me at least, because... Nobody is indulging in the skill current in a way that is like talking to the other side. But it was basically his only way out because otherwise he would have been gone, gone as in dead. And at least now he's, at least for him, he's with the fool and with Night Eyes, and that's probably as good as it gets. But with Verity, I don't, yeah, and shit, but I still think that there are a lot of people under the living that he would stayed with if he could have. I mean, it's not that. It's less less romantic, my approach. Yours is more beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that his life, when he was alive, 
his life belonged to somebody else. He was always answering to somebody else. Yeah. And I feel like this, the way that he, his life ended, it was on his own terms. Yeah. And it was one of the few things that he had a choice in. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Though he did, did he, he waited as long as the, it took the fold for, to go to him because he would have wanted to leave earlier, but he couldn't. Mm hmm. He didn't have enough life left in him. I mean, it was just like Verity didn't have enough life in him and he needed help. I think it was more than that. That it's I see more that. romanticized. Yeah, it's always more than that with Fitz and the Fool though, isn't it? Yeah, because that's what made B so upset, I think. Mm-hmm. That he would choose the Fool over her. Yeah, and that he, she, bas- she basically knew that it was the Fool he wanted and not anyone else. Mm-hmm. And not because it's just about the life that they would have given him, but because he wanted the fool and he needed the fool to go into the wolf. Again, it's that three. Yeah. Trilogy triad. Yeah. Triple. <laughs> triple triad trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So listeners... I think we talked enough about this amazing book series. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, If you've made it to the end of this episode, kudos to you because this uh, might be our longest one yet. (laughs) Let's just hope that we had enough breaks. (laughs) And uh, if you've made it to the end of this episode, you must love these books as much as we do. Or you get to love them. Yeah. Or you don't care about spoilers and you just wanted to hear us cry a little bit. Yeah. I think we held, a ho- held ourselves well. There was a few times that I almost lost it. But <laughs> I think we did. <laughs> um, was not audible. Good. <laughs> so, <laughs> listeners, what did you think about Robin Hobbs writing and the realm of the elderlings and anything that we have talked about? Are Fitz and the Fool lovers? Is it only Fitz and Molly? What do you think about B? Where does she fit in all this? Tiny. Like, what about B. that ending? <laughs> what about that ending? I just said it had shake that ass in my head. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I don't know why either. <laughs> Share with us what you thought about. What would you think about the Robin Hobb Realm of the Elderlings book series? We mm-hmm. would like to know. And while you're at it, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash geekhearing. We do have some extra special plans for Patreons coming up. So if you want to be in to win, you can start supporting us from as little as $1 a month. We would appreciate that. So thanks for tuning in today and see you again next week. Thank you. See you next week. Bye. Bye. If you like this episode of Geek Caring, why not leave us an iTunes review? You can also find us on social at Geek Caring and over on geekcaring.com. This show is brought to you by Dragon Powered Studio. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.